Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Pepper Pod. Episode nine. Whoa, where has the time gone, Andrew? Uh, time, Time's arrow has shot in, and I don't know what I'm talking about. It's gone, it's gone very, very quickly. Everything's passing very, very quickly. But then you look back to when we started this podcast, what um, sort of a week into March. That was all before the madness, as it's now referred to. And but that seems like a a generation ago. That seems like a so long ago. But yeah, time is absolutely flying past. How are you? How's your ride on the Corona coaster? Are you on the ups or the downs at the moment? Um. I don't know really. I think I'm. I I don't really know where I am. I think I'm off the carriage. I think I'm somewhere. Um, I, I've been struck by how fast time has gone, though. Actually, considering how little you do on a daily basis, um, time seems to be going quite fast. And the other thing I've noticed is how vivid my dreams have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've picked up on that, but I, uh, I, uh, I did read an article, and I know I'm not the only one. I think it's, I think it's quite common at this point. Yeah, someone else said the dreams are all over the shop. Um, they're dreaming about being in a shop, and they're all over the. That shop. What uh, what details can you give us of your vivid dreams, without too much uh, detail, I suppose? But anything in particular? Well, nothing's actually coming to mind right now. But I, I've had a recurring dream in recent months, really, about Augusta, and um, it's always been the tenth hole, and the tenth has acted as both the driving range and the tenth hole. But it's kind of been extreme, you know, the huge undulations, and I remember. The walk up to the eleventh tee, you had to like walk up a ladder to get to it. So it was, uh, yeah, bizarre. But um, yeah, that's been a bit of a recurring one. But interestingly, uh, I, a friend of mine and ours who came to Augusta last year called Mad Gaza from the Birmingham branch of the Pepper Army. Right. He wrote us a lovely poem about our trip to Augusta last year, and he reminded me of um, the courtesy car troubles we had because not only did we have troubles with our um, rental accommodation last year, there flooding, but we also went through three courtesy cars last year. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, he reminded me of that, so that was making me chuckle in the shower the other morning, among other things. Uh, just chuckling away at, at life and stuff. What, um, actually, we should check before, is he's not clinically insane, he's just a bit a bit, uh, a bit, bonkers and eccentric, Mad Gaza. No, he's lovely. He walks around in a, in a Union Jack uh, waistcoat, often, and shorts. And But the thing with Gary, he's, he's brilliant, he's, he's fluent in Japanese. Which, and this is not a lie, you might think at this point, Eddie's telling all his lies again, but I'm actually mm. not. And uh, and I remember we went to the US Open in 2013 at Merion, and he came and I played with a Japanese player. And when he was announced on the first hole, Gary started chanting in Japanese and nobody, and I mean nobody, could believe what they were hearing. So uh, it was it was perfect. He's uh, He's brilliant. Is that where he got his nickname, that very event? Maybe before that it was just, that's Gaza, or that's Gary. Gary the Sensible, and Sensible Gaza. And then after that, it's, oh, oh God, mad Gaza. Um, just speaks in tongues. Um, I, I have a dream, I have a dream. <laughs> Start a speech there. I have had a dream in normal times, and when I used to play more golf, that you're standing on a tee, and you're just regripping and regripping, and you can't, and you then you, uh, uh, and it's like one of the tees at Valderrama or a course with trees overhanging. But on this one, it's extreme, and the trees are all the branches come in. You say, how can I can't even get a shot through there? And then your backswing is impeded by the branches, so you go up to a tiny corner of the tee to try and get a stance, and your but your feet are standing off the tee, and then again you're regripping and regripping, and you just and the whole dream which probably takes about four hours of just me getting ready to play a shot. So it's uh, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of issues in there, I think. Do you never have, because your job is obviously as a golfer, 
So my job is as a broadcaster, a dog broadcaster, a broadcaster, and quite often I would have anxiety dreams about in the in the past when I was doing sports bulletins about being late for a bulletin or doing commentary. Quite often I would have dreams about doing commentary and I've done no prep whatsoever, so I'm just making it up as I go along. Facts about a certain way, a bit like you. So I'm going here's George, here's George Kutzea, uh punched the shark in the face once. Uh, but but I do. Do you have anxiety dreams about golf about missing tea times or? Uh, I don't really. Uh, I often hope to miss them. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, when you get the really early alarms, you tend not to sleep very well. But I think that's probably natural. It's like going to the airport, isn't it, for a lot of people? Uh, airports, oh, they were of yesteryear, weren't they? Um, Can you imagine even going back to an airport again? It just seems so, that world seems so alien now about being on a plane and travelling places. It just seems so yeah. distant. My, I agree. My favourite time that I ever at an airport would be Heathrow and Terminal 5 and there's the underground there's an underground tunnel that you can take as a walk you know to the B gates or the C gates people always get the train because they're fat and lazy but I am you know just well I'm both those things but I occasionally would like to get away from all the noise so I would go all the way down to the bottom and take a 15 minute stroll yes. and it was brilliant because you get this you know you get away from all the madness of the airport so I actually suspect airports probably feel like that now yeah. everywhere but um yeah it's, oh, I bet they're I bet they're great places just now absolutely brilliant places because they are so empty they're like airports in the 19 19- 60s, he said, just picking a decade. But yeah, because I remember going to the C gates at Heathrow, you know, uh, Terminal 5, and realised I had to go back to the B gate, but the train, I don't know, for some reason, I had to walk, and the guy just showed me the door where you go through, and you can just walk. And you're right, nobody else. So you're just walking alone through Heathrow Terminal 5. Um, Anyway, this is the kind of chat you get on the Pepper Pod. Welcome, if you're trying us for the first time. You, I spoke to you earlier this morning and said, um, uh, I don't know, I was sending you f- some information and you said, oh, I'm just in the gym just now doing my workout. So are you pushing it pretty hard in the Rory keeping up stakes at the moment? Well, um, I've, I had a good session today. I felt a bit sick, actually. When you were texting me, I was worried. I was, I was most of the way through. I was doing these reverse lunges at this point with a barbell, like 60 kilos, and uh, I was doing quite high reps. Oh, it was disgusting. But mm. um I finished off with a bit of skipping, actually, with a 20-kilo weighted vest. Now, I don't know if I've tried that, but that was great for the calves. I have no calves, so, um, you know, for me, when I get any kind of calf burn, it's like, I don't know, getting an erection for an 85-year-old man. It's just so rare that um, it's nice. I um, wonder if that'll stay in. Uh, so, yeah, but what's Rory been up to? In fact, I did see Tom did the... Uh, plank the nike plank challenge yeah well uh, yeah because yeah because this is a thing that obviously lots of companies are trying to get these challenges out uh, to get all the people involved and to still get some exposure so nike had this one the push-up out of a plank challenge you're in a plank position and you just get up on your elbows then out into a full press-up position and do that as up and down as many times as you can so rory did i think you get 45 seconds he did 22 and 45 seconds now i i have no end of admiration for rory mcelroy he is the boss the mac but 22 and 45 seconds is, uh, I mean, he is in great shape. You can't really argue with, with the McElroy. No, and I saw his swing that he put because he's obviously started oh. hitting balls again. I mean, it's just, you know, to take six, seven weeks off and then do that. I mean, mate, uh, yes. it's unbelievable. But, I saw Shane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Shane, so Thomas Bjorn shanking it through his windows. He tried to do a little thing for Callaway. Um, that was funny. And then Shane Lowry, who is who has got just about the best short game out there. And then, you know, he just duffs it into the bunker. So 
in fact, so he said seven weeks he's not... That was the first time he'd picked up a club in seven weeks. McElroy said the first time in six weeks. So that's about where you are. So mm. uh, have you picked up a club again? Are you going to? No, I haven't. Uh, I've been swinging the orange whippy ball, actually, in the garden for the last week. You're still so. pushing that. Still pushing um, that. Yeah, yeah. Sales have yet to skyrocket. But, um, yeah, no... Uh, that's all I've been doing, really. I'm curious. I'm really talk about anxiety. I am a little uncertain of where my short game is going to be at. I'm a little worried, especially because I have put on a little more muscle. I would say so that might change things a little bit, but um, hmm. yeah. affect your feel. Um, so at the moment, we are getting uh, lots of people saying they're listening to us on their walks or during their exercise. So maybe we should be we can be one of two things here because people aren't listening to podcasts and commutes, obviously. So people are listening on walks or during their exercise. So we can be either one of those guide voices that you get in the headphones as you walk around a museum as people go around in their walks. We can just make nice observations like, "Ooh, is that a, a chiff chaff in the trees over there? Or um, that bus stop that you're walking past now is where John Nettles used to get the number 73 to go to the cinema. Um, or we could do the motivational thing because people will be listening in the gym. So we just shout, hey, I'm right here with you, buddy. Hey, push it. One more set. One more. I don't know why you become American when you want to give motivational stuff. But um, I can't see you being a particularly motivational gym buddy for some reason. Well. Oh, God almighty. What chord, what chord was that? Oh, there's a diminished seventh or something. Um so how, oh yes, that's, I completely forgot about that, sorry. Get the guitar. Um, how has your, that's right, I set your challenge last week of to come up with a, a, little, a little jingle. Oh God, a little jingle, help us all, a little jingle for this podcast. So um, what have you got, what have you got for us? Well, I'm, um, I'm missing my pick, which is a problem. Because right. I've got to deal with my chubby thumbs. But uh, I've got a chord here, which I actually don't know. Uh, the name off, but here we go. Well, it's it's minor and it's slightly out of tune as well. So, okay, moved uh, again. That's a, a seventh. I don't know. Welcome to the pepper pod. Okay, so can you play them all in sequence there? And I could edit no. together and it would sound amazingly slick. You don't have to play them quickly together. I'll edit out the gaps. So go for it. Okay. Right, we got four coming. Here we go. Oh, that was not good. That was just the same one twice. Oh no, now I've talked over it. You're going to have to do it again. That was actually supposed to be a different one, the other one. It's not good. Yeah. Got a long way to go on that front, I think, Andrew. No, no, I'll tighten it up. We'll get it in the edit, as they say. And then all I have to do is go, The Pepper Pod. And then we'll use that after it. So that will be our sting for some time during this podcast. Everyone can't wait for that. Thank you very much indeed. Um, we had a reply about Bernard Gallagher about the Falkland Islands as well. I had a reply. What am I talking about? Bernard Gallagher replied because I asked him. So, so that's why he replied. Um, because I queried. We were talking about the Falkland Islands last week. And it said on my internet search about golf in the Falkland Islands that Bernard Gallagher once played there in 1989. So I said, ah, is that true? Or is that one of the George Kutzea punched the shark in the face again? So um, Bernard replied on my query, 
Um, Sir Rex Hunt, who was the former governor of the Falkland Islands, was a member of Wentworth, and he persuaded me to visit on two occasions when I was still the pro at Wentworth, 89 and 91. We flew in a military tri-star from Bryce Norton, refuelling in the Ascension Islands. It was a long flight. Stayed 10 days from both trips and played all the courses. One in Stanley. Um, then he travelled to East Falklands and stayed on farms with a couple of homemade courses. This is what we talked about. One at Goose Green, a famous place, infamous place from uh, during the war. Um... Yeah, so flying with the RAF pilots and everything, that's fantastic, amazing. He went to uh, coach school children over there, um, so there we are, Bernard Gallagher. I mean, I don't know how good the coaching was, we haven't got any players in the top 2089 in the world from the Falkland Islands, but well, that's, um, that's amazing to do that trip. No, it is, uh, and um, while we're on the subject of shout-outs, I'd like to shout-out Barnett Nico, who left a, uh, well, a quite brilliant review, actually, um, and I won't read it all because it was quite long, but I know he would have been itching for a shout-out. And because of this shout-out, he's now going to give us five stars where he only gave us four. But his criticism was not of me because he said, I'm absolutely top-notch and mm-hmm. I score full marks for my yep. candour and openness, which obviously we all know is true. Uh, and, of course, he said that I've got great natural golfing talent, which I don't think I know. Um, that's true. Uh, Andrew is gradually getting there but can infuriate with his woke and PC ramblings. I'll give him his due, but he is slowly warming to the task. But please stop trying so hard to compete with Eddie. Just relax and get the best out of Eddie, which is what the listeners tuned in for. So um, that was quite an unbelievable review. I'm surprised that passed the... Uh, passed the what? Passed the, past the lawyers. There, when you leave a review, is there any kind of, you know, must it meet, must it meet a certain... No, of, no, you no. can say you can say whatever you want. It is the internet is an open and uh, a wonderful place. I'm going to try and, and be positive about everything at the moment because there's enough. Everyone's just on edge at the moment and emotions are heightened. And so, yeah, thanks, Barnett uh, Nico. Um, he, yeah, well, hang on, man, I've got it here in front of me. So there we are. Um, he says about you, coupled with a natural golfing talent, I don't think even he actually realises. This is my problem with Barnett Nicko, um, is that he has, it's as if he's imparting some wisdom and, and telling us just how to be, you know, you could be a little bit better if you just realised, Eddie, that you've got a great natural ability. And Andrew is gradually getting there, but he can infuriate. Slowly warming to the task, he says, come on, Andrew, you're getting there. Um, thanks for your broadcasting advice, Barnett Nicko. Stop trying so hard to compete with Eddie. He's infuriating with these woke and PC ramblings. Well, you spelt woke wrongly, Barnett Nicko, so... Um, but there we are. Anyway, here's a nicer review from Sim Sims, uh, maybe a relative of Joan Sims, who we've talked about a couple of times. The review is, So I don't even really follow golf, but this is a rather entertaining pod. Genuinely warm and funny chat between friends. Uh, I mean, we, we're acquaintances. We... we <laughs> And then Francis Hall said, I admit I'm only here for the dogs. So we like that. That's the kind of review we do like. Whatever reason you're listening for out there in the world, um, then you are, you're welcome. So serious golf chat to talk about. Um, actually, before that, I, I seem to be dropping out a bit. This is, this is a concern of mine at the moment, Eddie, my upload speed on my internet. Because I was asked to do... You know, I was... Um, talking about this challenge between Mike Lorenzo Vera and Eric Van Royen, which was going yep. to be uh, broadcast, internet cast, and they were going to uh, play in their own studios. Yeah, they, they've got studios. Why don't you have a studio? And they, they were going to be playing St. Andrews, using Trackman stats, and the guy who was organising it, this was for charity, uh, again, the kind of guy I am, and um, the guy who was organising it wanted to check everybody's download and upload speeds because obviously it lives and dies by its technical ability, uh, this kind of event. So I checked mine, and I've got a, a download speed of 26 megabytes per second, uh, which is good. 
thing is megabytes. Anyway, which is fine, good. Upload speed, which is pretty important, of 1.8. Now, come on, Sky Superfast Broadband, I said to them as I complained. Um, that's not what I'm paying for, so apparently that's dreadful. I asked someone who knew about such things, I said, is this a decent upload speed? And he said, it's absolutely fantastic for 1991. So, um, I, so I've got to get that improved, otherwise I'm not going to be doing everything. Have you, uh, um, I've asked you to check your upload speed. What is it? Mine's 4.2. Oh, see, so. that's, that's decent. But your, where you live is it's quite close to the motorway, but it is a bit out, isn't it? It's, a, you know, it's probably two miles in the middle of nowhere. Do you know what I mean? So I, I'm kind of, I suppose, not surprised. It's It's not between great. Manchester and Liverpool, two yeah. not small villages. And anyway, uh, it's, I, I've been assured they've sent me a new router sky so courtesy of nick doherty and they are going and i'm going to try that because uh interestingly on that uh that virtual match when we were talking about this suddenly an email has come out from the european tour here's some golf to talk about let me get the email um european tour communications just check it's for immediate release it is um players to come the bmw indoor invitational powered by trackman players to compete virtually in the bmw indoor in- invitational um, so we've got European tour players including Martin Keimer, Jules Lauten, Mike Lorenzo Vera, who's got an upload speed of 19. What crazy-ass studios he got going on? Amazing technology in France or wherever he lives. Lee Westwood, Bernd Wiesberger, they're all going head-to-head from their own homes in this BMW Indoor Invitational using Trackman stats. And they're going to be playing on Saturday, May the 9th, over St Andrews. Week two, so every, every Saturday they're going to be playing. Port Rush on 16th. Uh, Golf Club München Eichenried on the 23rd, Valderrama on 30th, and then Wentworth on the on the 6th of June. Um, so what do you think about that? Mm. Did you get the invitation? I I didn't. I don't know why, uh, but I'm a bit sure like the Hero Challenge, it's just going to be great fun. Right, I'll I'll put a sting in there. You know which sting it's going to be. <laughs> the Pepper Pod. Other golf news. A big news, Eddie, uh, is that there, we might all be allowed to return to golf courses uh, to play golf, not just walk around. So I, I saw the 11th of May being mentioned, but um, other countries are sl- starting to slightly relax in terms of golf, that if you can do it socially distanced and do it with certain um, certain guidelines in place, that people might be able to get back playing golf. Yeah, this uh, I think I saw Ian Carter put a tweet out, actually. It gave me some hope. Um, hmm. Wouldn't it be great? You know, actually, my life hasn't changed apart from hitting golf balls. So I would just like to have the opportunity to hit some golf balls and my life would be back to normal. But, uh, you know, I understand for a lot of other people, um, it's uh, it's an opportunity to get out. And, you know, I think we yeah, I just hope that we can uh, I hope it's true and we can get back out in the next week or so, because it would do a lot of favours, I think. Mm. I saw your brother, Joe. Again, is he younger or older? Is he... He's two years older, but... Um, I saw him yes. on Sky chatting about it because he's a club professional. Um, I know. I couldn't believe it. He didn't. Yeah, he sent us the link last night and I watched it. I didn't realise. But um, he yeah. actually gives Jamie Weir lessons. Now, Jamie's the Scottish guy. Um, he's it's not Scottish. Yeah, no, I know. He's Northern Irish, but I wind him up because I think he's Scottish. Um, well, he gives Jamie lessons. So I'm thinking there, Jamie got, you know, there's a bit of back rubbing going on here. The pair of them belong in the White House. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> do people back rub in the White House? I uh, think they do all sorts there. Okay. Yeah. All sorts of shenanigans, 
Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, right, okay. Uh, I saw, interestingly, talking about the guidelines in place for not touching flagsticks or, or uh, trying to avoid any sort of contact in golf, they had this charity match. Jordan Spieth was playing with Tony Romo. I forgot to look up what Tony Romo does. Was he an American football player? I think he uh, was originally. I think he was, yeah. Quarterback, maybe. All right, okay. So um, this was a charity match in the Dallas area where Jordan Spieth's from and Tony Romo, he organised it, Tony Romo. I keep saying Tony Romo. Tony Romo said. Uh, and Spieth had a hole-in-one. The ball went into the hole and bounced out because they had these little foam separators to stop the ball going deep into the hole so you can pick it out without any sort of contact. And it just hit the foam and bounced straight out. So Jordan Spieth was claiming this as a hole-in-one. Um, and foamed, apparently. Being foamed has entered the, the golf vernacular, as in that might be a thing oh. now. If you, yeah, so it was in, but then it, ah, I got totally foamed and ended up in the water hazard and took seven. So that's golf news. Did you say something about uh, another match taking place? I didn't see this one. Yeah, I saw today that Rory and I want to say Ricky Fowler are taking on Dustin Johnson and um, Matthew Wolf. Mm. Um, all those four are, I don't know who's teaming up with who exactly but there's a celeb- there's a skins match I think for charity so I want to say three million dollars which is which is great right um, so yeah clearly things are beginning to move but um, again no invite for me which is a bit of a shame a bit of a shame and not surprising Why? so Matthew Wolf, we were talking about we were talking about Matthew Kelly and then the recording went horribly wrong because I realised that my microphone was hardly registering, which again would be a good thing. Can't wait for the week that Andrew's on holiday. Um, why were we talking about Matthew Kelly? What was the, oh, yeah. How did we get to that? Stars we were in their talking, eyes. Me and Jen were watching uh, old footage of stars in their eyes. Yeah, we watched the, the 1990s, the decade champion of champions and um, Chris DeBurr won it in a landslide. I mean, he had something like four times... The uh, the amount of votes is the second place, and he was. This is not Christopher. This is someone being Christopher. No, this is you. Obviously, you've watched the program. I take it. Yeah, when they yeah. go, and I used to think that it was real. You know, that they would go in, and then a second later they would come out, and I was like, this is unbelievable. But obviously, you know, as I've aged and become incredibly wise, I realise that's not the case. But um, yeah, someone was. Um, being Christopher and uh, he was brilliant absolutely right. amazing, and he won. So uh, yeah, and but Matthew Kelly, I, I couldn't. I thought he was. Very, very funny. What a presenter. Very, uh, so, I, again, I want to test your archive knowledge here. Uh, you know the, ga- the, the sort of game show that made Matthew Kelly? It was a Saturday night programme that made Matthew Kelly, and there were four presenters. Can you remember that? I can't, no. Uh, game for a Laugh. Game for a Laugh had... Who it? So, uh, Jeremy Beadle would have been one. Sarah Kennedy, I think she... Um, uh, Henry Kelly going for gold. Um, the heat is on. The time is right. Uh, Henry Kelly and Matthew Kelly as well. Um, they were the. Pr- oh. We've done it. We've done it. We've got your thing already. Are you trying to? Are you trying to play the going for gold theme tune with one chord that you know and barely know that one because it's yeah. going to be a struggle. Um, I know Matthew Kelly was actually. So he, he was. He was a very good actor. He appeared in a stage production. I think of mice and men, and he played Lenny. Again, this is this is a little bit of I'm partly remembering stuff, but I think he got rave reviews for his serious acting performance playing Lenny and of mice of men um, of mice and men, and that you, everyone saw him in a in a new light. So Matthew Kelly chat. Matthew Kelly chat is going to take us into our guest for the week. I think 
as we move along swiftly. Uh, Cara Banks. So I haven't got a proper introduction for Cara. Cara is one of the main presenters now in the Golf Channel in the United States. Uh, she is English, born and bred, has taken a, a sort of long, circuitous route to make it to the Golf Channel, where she is one of the stars. So she knows golf inside and out and is based in Florida. And Eddie and I had a chance to speak to her just a few moments ago. <laughs> So, Cara, welcome. Uh, the the absolutely obligatory question, how is lockdown for you and how has it been? How is lockdown for us? I have to say, I think we count ourselves quite lucky. It's it's definitely not been as strict over here in, in Florida as it has been in England. I know it's been a nightmare for everyone with, with an hour's allocated time to go out for their daily exercise and stuff every day. So we count ourselves quite lucky, to be honest. We've got a house with a garden, which is a massive blessing to have some outdoor space and my husband wasted no time in getting our uh, golf net installed and uh, putting mat in the garage. And you would think that my game would have improved drastically, but unfortunately it hasn't because I've kind of been in full-time mum mode. So that's really been the theme of our lockdown so far. We've got a little boy who's about to turn one, so he kind of takes up um, most of the time. And then when he's napping, we um, catch up on work or I've been doing a bit of peloton riding. So oh, not you peloton as well. Club as well. Here I'm we sorry. Go. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but it's um, good. It is so good. I know you don't want to hear that, but it is, especially now. No, it's, I'm sure you're producing good number. Are you outside at the moment? Because I can hear a bird song. I like I like the atmosphere. I am, yes, I'm sitting out in the garden because it is um baby nap time. It's a lot easier for me to sit outside and not worry about disturbing him. Well, tell us about Florida then, because you said it's, uh, I, I, I saw, was it this week that they've opened up courses again, or is that uh, is that across the board, or is it just some courses? What's happening golf-wise there at the moment? Yeah, it's been quite varied, to be honest. We've been very lucky in that our golf course that we're members at never closed, but a lot of a lot of them did. Um, and it was then quite frustrating for people, you know, even just in Orlando, when some courses were open, and if theirs wasn't, it was really frustrating. And I think even from a professional standpoint, and Obviously, I guess for Eddie over in England, it's it's different because every course is closed. But over here in in America, it depends what state you're in. It depends what county you're in. You know, there's different government at all levels. So some people can get out and practice every single day, and uh, and some people haven't touched the club at all. So we've been very lucky. We've been able to to play socially distanced golf. Um, but now most of those courses that were closed are beginning to open up as well. So they're kind of slowly relaxing the stay-at-home order, which is what it was called over here for us. And even restaurants are starting to open up this week and have kind of 25% capacity and six-foot rule between tables and, and all of that kind of stuff. So things seem to be slowly moving um, has, in a better direction. Has the um, drive through Starbucks still uh, been open? Do you know, I haven't been, but I think it has. And that is a great question because that is one of the best discoveries of living over here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, drive through Starbucks I'm pretty sure was open because I have to say all the businesses and, and restaurants where they can have all stayed open for be it drive through curbside pickup as they call it you just have to call in advance and Uber Eats and DoorDash and all, and all those guys have been you know sending alerts every day that they're putting on deals to, to do takeaway to try and keep restaurants in business so there's still been quite a lot going on like if you if you want to eat out or get food hmm Oh, well, that's that's America for you. What's the Golf Channel showing at the moment? Are, are you doing sort of uh, retrospectives and reliving tournaments as well? And how are things working at the Golf Channel? Yes, we've been doing a bit of that. But we've also been, um, we've now been starting these 30-minute 
news shows, daily news shows from home, from Morning Drive and Golf Central. We've all had to kind of set up our home studios, check our internet speeds, which I know is uh, at the forefront of your mind as well. <laughs> do you know and, your um, internet speed? Do you know what your, what your upload speed is? It's a, it's a know, hot topic at the moment. I shouldn't have mentioned it because I don't actually know what it is off the top of my head, but, um, but I might find out by the end of our conversation. Can Ollie find out in the background? Uh, you may, you, we just shout at him. Ollie, find out your internet speed. Okay, Ollie, you've been requested to uh, to search our internet speed. Um, internet speeds are exactly a hot topic, but it's actually been it's actually been pretty nice. I heard Nick talking about this with you a couple of weeks ago, but it's quite nice to have had some days, you know, where you do have a work schedule to pay attention to and give you a bit more structure to the day. And it is amazing what everyone's been able to do from home. You know, we haven't had Golf Channel Wise, we haven't had one person step foot in the studio to produce programming, yet we're putting an hour of live content on the air every day. So that's nice. And then, yes, there's, there's been a lot of reruns and um, they've been series Monday, which is kind of cool to relive. And they did it on Sky Sports and films. So, is, that yeah. just, is that just me losing Cara there or did you lose it as well? No, I lost, I lost that as well. Oh, see, that's quite fitting that we're talking about amazing upload speeds. And uh, Cara's amazing Floridian upload speed has, uh, yeah, yeah, they think they're all that. It's failed us. No, that's come back. You're, Talking you're of um, strong. upload speeds, and I'm sure uh, Andrew will get into your broadcasting career a little deeper, but is it right your broadcasting career begun in Ghana, Cara? Or is, yeah, it, is that not? It is. Oh, it well is. Done, How on earth do you know that? That it's, is some I, good research. Mm, yeah. Go on, tell. Okay, so, um, wow, I was, uh, I was about 18, yeah, before I went to uni, and uh, I wanted to take some time out, so... But I always knew I wanted to work in TV, and the reason I always knew I wanted to work in TV, this might surprise you, is because of Davina McCall. Just a huge <laughs> fan. Always have been. I always wow. have been. I can hear the laughter. No, no, she's, br- she's absolutely watching, brilliant. She is brilliant. Yeah. Grew up watching Street Mate, Big Brother, just kind of loved her, her very kind of girl-next-door persona. Anyway, um, so I thought, well, before I get to uni, where I was going to study politics, just because, you know, parents wanted me to get a decent degree and all that. I thought, well, let me go and try and get some experience in what I, uh, in what I know I want to do. So I found this program that offered TV placements, and you could either do it in Ghana or in Mexico. And I thought, well, I found far more chance of getting on TV in an English-speaking country, so I'll choose Ghana. And um, I ended up at Metro TV in Accra, which is the capital of Ghana, um, and I created the World Entertainment News, which I presented where... <laughs> regularly on national tv in ghana and i have to say thank goodness um i, I we did have some tapes but i uh, i hope they've been shredded by my parents because oh. i had a pudding bowl haircut and um, oh this would be tremendous we've got to find we have to find these clips there must be something on youtube of world entertainment tv in ghana um Accra's number one tv station uh, oh this is this is great that's fantastic research eddie this is what uh, eddie uh, brings to the table. Um, so yeah, so how did you get to the? Go- how many years have you been at the Golf Channel now? Is that three years, or uh, that might be? That's a wild guess. Four, five. No, five years seven, I've been here ten. now. It's kind of it's flown by. Five. We'll go with five. Okay. Um, I uh, yeah, after the uh, the Ghanaian adventure and uni, and I did like a bit of student radio and all that. I ended up at um, Al Murray's Happy Hour was another highlight. A glass what of did, white wine whoa, for the lady. Whoa, 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 what did you do on uh, Al Murray's Happy Hour? I was just a runner. Just started off making cups of tea for Al Murray, and um, yeah, looking after Fruit celebrity based guests. Drink and for stuff. the lady, yeah. Um, Fruit, yeah. Oh, tremendous. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. Then from IMG, and then um, 
and I was a PA for a while, as you probably know, to Rupert Hample, the head of European Tour Productions, mm-hmm. and then Golfing World, and now here at Golf Channel. I have to say, um, I feel like I'm back at Golfing World in a way with the home studio because we're sort of a all-encompassing cameraman, um, technician, yeah. lighting, everything. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been five years, but it's been awesome, I have to say. The Golf Channel team are, I know this is a cliche, but it, it was like walking into a family because it's obviously a big step to take, moving your, your family and your life from, from England to America, but I think we were at a pretty good stage of life to do it, and uh, I was lucky, obviously, my now husband was happy to move with me, and uh, it was nice to kind of set up life together here, and if you work in golf, it was it was a bit of a no-brainer, really, to come and join this team, and they've been awesome. I started, as you know, with... 3 a.m. alarms every day on morning drive and now I'm I'm doing Golf Central and live from the majors and the Ryder Cup and stuff and it's um, um, I think one of the great things about Golf Channel in terms of exposure is that obviously it's owned by NBC so you know I've been lucky to do a couple of things with NBC Sports as well outside of golf like skiing's been a big passion of mine on the side as well I kind of grew up with a with a dad who plays golf and a mum who skis and they kind of learnt each other's passion so it was nice for me to do a bit of ski racing which was kind of like an insight into my mum's world and um, was due to be doing some Olympic coverage this year for NBC but we'll, mm. we all know that has to wait till next year um, but yeah it's just I think yeah the, the golfing heartbeat is obviously pretty strong over here um, and there's a lot of a lot of the players live over here and stuff as well so it's a nice place to be. Is the Golf Channel still planning to move I thought it was going to move up to the northeast of the, of the USA or is that uh, is that all on hold at the moment what's happening? No, I believe plans are still underway for, for production to all be relocated to uh, to Stanford, Connecticut next year. Um, we're just kind of waiting to, to see, really, because I think obviously the COVID-19 has slightly delayed the planning process. Um, but from what I understand, that is the plan. So, um, so our time in Florida could be short-lived. We're kind of waiting to see how that all works out. I just wonder what the thoughts uh, from you and your colleagues and all the sort of players and, and people in golf that you talk to, what the thoughts are on the PGA Tour schedule plans? Because, you know, no fans initially, uh, majors in the back end of the year, do they think that the no fans thing is going to work? Or do they think the majors are going to happen? What is the chat at the moment? Yeah, look, I think it's so hard, isn't it? The PGA Tour have clearly done a lot of work behind the scenes um, to try and create a safe environment for golf to re- restart on the 11th of June. And in some ways, they're going to be the guinea pig, I suppose, because certainly in golf, they're going to be the first ones getting back to work, as it were. And also out of the major sports leagues, they're one of the first ones over here in the US, really, to kind of put a, put a stamp on a start date. Um, I think everyone is pretty optimistic that it is going to happen in terms of the PGA Tour restarting. But I think there's going to be this new normal that we are going to have for a while. Obviously, Jay Monaghan has said the first four events won't have fans. That could continue a, a lot longer. Um, but that is the biggest struggle in a way, isn't it? Even from, for us, from a broadcast standpoint, you know, we all know fans create the atmosphere for, for the players. Eddie will know that as, as good as anyone. But even when you're watching it, you know, the cheers and, and stuff really create so much of the not only visual, but obviously also audio effects. So I think that's just a new way. We're going to have to get used to things. But then, you know, there's also so much more at a golf tournament than just fans, aren't there? There's all of the staff, the volunteers, the, the pr- production broadcasting team. So it's going to be a lot of things that have to change. You know, we may even be interviewing golfers via Zoom after their round rather mm. than standing close to one another. Who knows what's going to happen? But, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's going to go ahead. I think the majors, everyone is actually fairly confident about. I mean, obviously, you know, um, it would be 
epic, wouldn't it, to, to see the US Open take place at Wingfoot, given what that part of the world has been going through recently. But I think it's just kind of time will tell. Yeah, I can imagine. Actually, from my perspective, I know as a player, it's always pretty special when I come to America and I get to speak to someone, well, the Golf Channel or any one of you guys. But also I get to see uh, Ollie, your husband, because Ollie, um, people may or may not know, is one of the player relations staff of the European Tour. But he's really the creme de la creme because he deals with the top players. And so, you know, as a, as a European, when you go to America, you realise that, you know, you have a relationship with Ollie that, you know, Rory's got that relationship and John Rahm and uh, not the minnows. So um, it's, uh, it's quite, it's quite nice actually, from my perspective to see you guys. Wow. He'll be, he'll be thrilled to hear that. Well, thank you, Eddie. Yeah. He'll probably disagree with you, but um, yeah. And I, owe, I actually owe Ollie a, a bottle of wine for the for factoid on the Ghana um, story. If I'm, uh, if I'm being quite honest. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he tipped you off on that. <laughs> Uh, I nearly asked. Well, Eddie, I hear you drink pretty good wine, so um, I'll, I'll be looking forward to, to sharing that bottle because um, Ollie's a bit of a wine collector as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll treat you guys one night. But actually, I haven't fallen in love with American wine yet, I'll be quite honest. Uh, I had a, well, I had an Opus 1 last year at a tournament, and I didn't. It was just not quite it for me. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see how that relationship develops in the coming years. But hmm. He would agree with you on that. He finds it a little sweet. I, however, yes. do like a good a good American cab, but but that is the go-to wine over here. Yeah, they do great wine in Connecticut, so you can look forward to that. Um, what, uh, has, has Ollie found out your uh, upload speed yet? Most importantly, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Ollie, uh, have you found out our upload speed yet? Has he done his research? Well, I, don't, I don't know if he's. Oh, it's it is slow. To to confirm, we are very slow. Eddie, I've got a question for you actually, which is I know not how this goes around, but no, I love it. talking of your time. In, uh, when you come over to America, um, what, what's your experience of um, pronunciations? Have you had a pretty straight road with Pepperell? I know Tyrrell has uh, struggled a little bit. Um, yeah, generally I, I can't recall uh, any. I, usually I struggle when I go to Asia. I've had a few funny ones in Asia. Um, but America seems to be okay. You know, they they get Eddie right, as you'd, well, you'd hope, and they do. Um, yeah. But the Pepperell, it seems to really finish, you know, they finish the surname off um, in style with me, where, you know, I, I get, I when I think of my own name, I tend to get a bit depressed by the third syllable. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit different. But, um, yeah, no, not really, Karen. They, they do a pretty good job, you know. There is one guy who actually announces in at the Czech Masters who's American, and um, he's my favourite uh, tea introducer, I suppose, um, of them all. Although the one in Mexico, obviously, is, is pretty uh, pretty awesome as well. Excellent. Well, yeah, he wins every year, every year. Yeah, and for style as well. I mean, no one dresses like that on the first tee. He, he wins. He's, uh, he's top-notch. Right, we're mm. going to draw it to a close in pronunciation of names chat, but uh, this has been fantastic. I love this chat, and I love, I've loved listening to the... Uh, the Banks Garden as well in um, in Mary Poppins, no, in uh, in Florida <laughs> as well. So, uh, how hot is it today? And uh, well, I suppose it's just about you know half past nine where you are. But uh, how hot has it been recently, and what's it getting to at the moment? Well, it'll be about ninety degrees this afternoon. So yeah. this is really the time of day to enjoy being outside. Um, we, we're approaching kind of summer storm season, which is hot and humid. Um, and if you thought you'd seen rain in England, you haven't seen anything like it until you uh, until you live over here because it gets pretty torrential. But it does clear up, you know, about thirty minutes, and then it's uh, and then it's beautiful again. You know, one thing about living here is. Uh, you learn all sorts of stuff that you wouldn't even think about um, over in England, like uh, hurricanes, which um, was, a, was a whole new 
agenda for us, mm. hurricane planning. We've obviously seen worldwide this COVID-19 pandemic and um, the uh, supermarkets being sold out of everything possible. Well, that happens every year here without fail when there's a, when there's a hurricane coming. But usually it's water and bread that goes. It isn't, it isn't loo roll like obviously is the, uh, is the craze at the moment. But uh, hurricane planning is a big thing over here. The pest control, termites, um, few rats, snakes knocking around. So, yeah, all sorts of things I've had to educate myself on since we've been living here and, uh, and having some outside space. Well, and probably most worrying of all is the president, um, but that's another matter, I suppose. That is another matter, yeah. I won't get into that. <laughs> Cara <laughs> Banks of the Gulf Channel slams, I've, slams I've, Trump. I've, I've, uh, heard, I've heard those, um, those friendly lawyers come in every now and then. The lawyers are not going to come in over that one. The lawyers have been um, furloughed, unfortunately, so which are quite <laughs> Oh, <happy>. no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, only getting, they're only getting 80% topical. of their food. I know, exactly. They're performing in other ways. Anyway, listen, thanks for joining us, Cara. It's been great. Go and have your half past nine bottle of wine with Ollie. And, uh, <laughs> breakfast, I'll yeah, start bre- with that. But I will look forward wine. to Eddie's wine. All right, excellent. All right, thanks very guys. much, Cara. Nice to talk to you. Thanks, Cara. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Colin Montgomery, and I'm crushing it on the Peloton right now. Well, that was lovely to hear from Cara there, all the way in Florida. There seems to be this... Um, you know, I know Anna Whiteley was at Golfing World and has moved on, and I think there's now another lady, um, quite an attractive young lady as well. There seems to be this progression going on. Um, I did see Kirsty Gallagher on the Ryder Cup in, oh, it was on telly yesterday. It might have been 99, actually. Um, Kirsty Gallagher was always a bit of a TV crush for me. but uh, Right, OK, so um, Bernard's probably listening, I would say, uh, to, to listen to his Falkland Island story, so... Yes. Uh, right. Okay. Excellent. I think it is time for this. Eddie's crush. Uh, let's leave Eddie's crush feature and instead move on to this. Yeah, that's quite good if you like that sort of thing. Yes, indeed. It's time for Eddie recommends. Uh, Eddie, what I, I'm trying to remember what you recommended last week. It was. Oh no, it was your. It was your swing guide. Oh, your swing aid, sorry. Um, right, what's on the Eddie Recommends table this week? Well, I, I was struggling again to think about it, and I didn't want to spe- went, waste too much... Well, waste. Yeah, it is a waste, this whole thing. Um, I didn't want to waste too much energy, uh, you know, before going to bed thinking about last night. So I was having breakfast this morning, and I was just looking around the kitchen while sipping my espresso, and I thought, what can I talk about? And it hit me. I saw Joe Wicks his cookbook and I thought oh there's a good thing to recommend because not only is he got his cookbook but he's doing his uh he's doing his PE every morning at 9 a.m which families can tune into and you know move and be active but he also does these lean and 15 workouts which are absolutely brilliant and often body weight so you don't need a gym hmm. so I figured Joe Wicks would be a good recommendation this week um don't know if you've come across him you may well have done he's uh are you He's recommending? Lovely. Are you recommending someone who is just about used by every single person on the planet at the moment? Are it you, would appear. It would appear so. <laughs> it yeah. would appear so. We've that's where we've reached. We have become so lazy and tired of this whole thing. Well, it was that, or I, I, rec- I was thinking yesterday. What else can I recommend? And I thought people are going to be trapped in their homes. A lot of people have flats, so I thought maybe I should recommend plants and mirrors. Plants to increase the oxygen keep the air fresh and mirrors to make the place look feel bigger so well, it was that or joe wicks and you take your pick because it's as good as it gets well that's a good idea if you'd recommended a specific plant with some gardening knowledge there you go the it, kentia palm otherwise known as the howia fosteriana 
Uh, that's my favorite plant. We have three of those in our house. We actually have about a dozen plants, big ones. I like really big plants. Um, this is yeah. gold dust. You see, there we are. That's all we wanted. Instead, you, you recommended Joe Wicks. Next week, Eddie recommends the Beatles. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Okay. Uh, let's move on. I'll tell you what, there aren't many golfers called Alan. So there aren't many golfers called Alan. This week, actually, before we come to this week's name, uh, let's clear up the, uh, one remarkable oversight on our part, or certainly my part as being the sort of archive man, for Ken's last week, Ken Green. So Ken Green, a uh, fascinating character, an amazing story. Played in the Ryder Cup team in 89 for the Americans at the Belfry, won five times in the PGA Tour. Ken Green was one of the Mavericks, the Rebels, that were an outlier in American golf in the 80s. I mean, he used to wear a green glove. You know, that doesn't make him a Rebel, or does it? Uh, but he was a bit eccentric. He was fined about 30 times by the PGA Tour, tried to sneak his friends into the Masters in the boot of his car, drinking on course during the Masters. I think when he was playing with Arnold Palmer. But on the very serious side of the story... Ken Green, who's sometimes dressed all in green, green shoes, trousers, shirt, everything. He, he he suffered from depression. This all sort of came out afterwards because at the time people were just saying, Ken Green, what a character. But of course, there's far more to it. He then lost his leg after he crashed his motorhome in 2009. Now, the crash uh, killed his brother, his girlfriend, his dog. They were all in the motorhome, died. He wrote an autobiography where he explained uh, his childhood, he'd been sexually abused. His son, um, who, was, who was estranged from, died from a drug overdose. So it's just, it's an amazing story. He was a, he was a fantastic player as well, Ken Green. But it's just since uh, his playing career has sort of stopped, the the revelations and the details a bit deeper into his life have come out. And it's just an, an extraordinary story. I know I, I sort of sent you a bit about the story, Eddie, but it's just incredible um, what Ken Green has been through. It blew me away. It was just unbelievable. I couldn't believe it was, well, obviously terribly sad as well. And um, it's the kind of, you know, I've watched a couple of programs on Netflix and they've been of similar ilk. It could easily be made into a, not that he would want that, but uh, I watched actually one called Three Identical Strangers the other night. I don't know if you've seen that, but wow, that blew me away. But uh, off topic, but yeah, no, it was really sad. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the story of Ken Green, who we missed out last week in our Kens. This week, we are talking about Brian's. Now, I know at this point, a lot of people, once they've heard the name for the week, are pausing the podcast. So they've probably paused it already. And now they've restarted it. And I'm hearing me telling them to pause their podcast. And they're saying, well, I've just done that. Uh, But people pause it. They try and write down as many as they can and then see what we've got and see if they can match them. So I think people are rejoining us now, having written down a list of Brian's. Did you get many this week, Eddie? Um, I'll be honest, not very many. Hmm. That's disappointing. Um, shall I go first then? Because yeah, we'll save your special ones. Or do you want to I, go first? No, I think you need to go first. Give me some time to look on the official World Golf Ranking website. <laughs> I, again, you'll not find many there. Um, Brian Marchbank, uh, Scottish pro, played in the 79 Walker Cup. Finished 8th in the Open at Turnbury in 86 that Greg Norman won. So Marchbank is connected with Glen Eagles, the Marchbank name. His father, Ian, was the long-time legendary pro at Glen Eagles. Um, he, he gave Sean Connery golf lessons when he was getting ready to film Goldfinger. Then his son, Brian Marchbank's brother, Billy, took over at Glen Eagles. He was the pro for a long time. Now, there's something about Marchbank, because Peter Alice has told the story a few times, and I can't remember which Marchbank, he says, invented the claw grip which Bernard Langer made popular. Um, 
uh, well, variations thereof, but uh, one of the March banks was the first to invent the claw grip as a sort of aid to putting, which you use. Uh, you've started using a bit of a claw now, haven't you not? Yeah, I'm in love with a claw. Thanks, mm. Brian. Well, there we are. So Brian or Billy or Ian invented, I think it might have been Ian, invented the claw grip. But there we are, Brian Marchbank. Um, well, I'm going for uh, Brian Gay. Um, I played with Brian Gay last year, actually, at Sawgrass in the practice round. Played nine holes with him. And it was a bit awkward at one point because we were talking to his coach about the club pro guy. Um, club pro guy being the club pro guy from Twitter, uh, who's, I think, very funny. But he put out something um, where he made these kind of live under net par. So it wasn't, it, but it looked like a PGA Tour meme, but it wasn't quite. And he did one about Brian Gay, which I thought was very funny. But Brian Gay, and particularly Brian Gay's wife, didn't hmm. and actually threatened to sue him. So, um, but I brought this up in a practice round and I just forgot really where I was, as you can imagine. And uh, yeah, God, it was very awkward for a couple of holes. But um, oh, no. Yeah. So okay. you playing in a playing in a three ball with Brian Gay and Bryson DeChambeau would be just the the height of awkwardness. Um, it really would be. Oh, yeah. we've got to make that happen. Yeah, he's, he was a great. Uh, what well, was is a very good player, Brian Gay. He's uh, four PGA Tour wins, major championship record though. Dreadful, fifteen miscuts from twenty four majors, uh, never in the top twenty. You know, for a player who's had four PGA Tour wins, I think that's a bit of a contrast but not a big hitter Brian Gay is he he's not uh, he's very short which probably has something to do with it but uh, mm. there you go what's your name Barnett Nico that's a bit harsh isn't it no I'm just what I, I'm just giving some facts here I'm not saying to Brian Gay oh listen practice and realise your natural ability you'll get there in the end son you know um, just try and do a bit more of this and a bit less of that and you'll be fine no then I would be but I'm not like that so um, Brian Watts you know the name Brian Watts? What does that does that resonate? Unfortunately not, Andrew. Oh, come on. I mean, 1998, Burkdale, playoff, lost a playoff for the Open Championship. You heard of the Open Championship? Uh-huh. With Mark O'Meara, finished sixth in the Open Championship, Andrew, as it happens. Uh, Brian Watts, so he's a Canadian. I think he's got American citizenship as well now. With British grandparents. He led by two going into the final round of the Open. And shot 70, so a good final round, but went into a playoff with Marco Mira. Missed a couple of short birdies in the playoff uh, and lost by two to Mira. He was very successful on the Japanese tour in the 90s. So a similar story, I suppose, to someone like Todd Hamilton. Um, then had this amazing performance at Burkdale in 98. Got his PGA Tour card off that result and actually made it to the top 20 of the world rankings by the end of that year. Was going along very well in, in 99 and then had all sorts of injuries foot, back, hip, it all all his problems, now here's the thing, all his problems came down to his hip, Eddie's left hip because, um, no, but as you'll know, because you had thoracic spine problems didn't you, and, and if you're a bit tight in your hips, so he had a real issue with his left hip so that caused all problems on his lower back, he got a herniated disc, because if you can't rotate properly on, on your left hip on the way through, then all the load goes through your back, someone they, he got his internal hip rotation measured it was 5 degrees the average tour pro rotates 30 degrees, 35 degrees. I mean, McElroy would be 360 degrees or 40 degrees or whatever. So it's. Uh, I thought that was a reasonably interesting Brian Watts fact. That's how he that lost is, his way. Mm. That is quite interesting. I, mm. I come in at about between 10 and 15 degrees in yeah. hip rotation. I'm terrible. That's probably why I'm, well, pretty bad at golf, really. But uh, I've got another Canadian called Brian. 
I've got more um, Brian Watts stuff. I, I'm not finished oh, with Brian please, Watts. You carry on. This is riveting. So, so he learned to play, relearned to play with his foot turned out at 30 degrees, which again, <laughs> and, and no, no, I, I, I was told to do that because my left hip issue, as I say, well, you know, put your foot out at 30 degrees, 45 degrees even, because you cannot turn through the ball. Unless you turn your, your foot out. so. But anyway, so I then, on my internet search of Brian Watts, I lost track of him before reading that he became head coach at Oregon State University, where he was there until 2010. Then he became head golf coach at the US Military Academy at West Point, which he left in 2017 to help set up a consultancy with his assistant from the Military Academy. Now, it was at this point that I realised I was now researching an entirely different Brian Watts, and this was nothing to do with Brian Watts, who finished second at Buckdale in 1998. And then I got lost down a, a, an internet rabbit hole again. I was watching this long interview with this Brian Watts, who I thought was the original Brian Watts, Then I went, that guy doesn't look like the original Brian Watts. Um, and an ad popped up on YouTube for this thing called Jawsercise. Uh, I realise I'm giving them some some airtime here, Jawsercise, but it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's basically this rubber thing that you put in your mouth and you just chew away on it for it. You just go, ah, ah, ah. you don't have to make that noise, but you go, ah, 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 ah. and it's this ex Green Beret guy has invented this thing, or ex Marine has invented this thing called Jawsercise, and it's supposed to give you a strong jawline and tone up the fat in your face. <laughs> And I've never seen anything so ridiculous. So where, where can you buy one? <laughs> oh dear. So anyway, there's we'll probably end up being sponsored by Jawsercise. That'll be our first offer. So there we are. Um, Brian Watts and leading us to Jawsercise. Uh, yeah. So on to uh, this other Canadian uh, called Brian. Um, very famous. Cause he's called Brian Young, and he's the son of Carl Young. And um, I'm calling. He- I'm calling George Garcia immediately on this. <laughs> Well, you, no, it's true, and, and that's why he's not. You know, he's too clever for golf, and that's why he's ranked at seven and seventeen hundred and forty-five in the world. So um, he just needs to clear those thoughts up, and you'll be just fine. But uh, yeah, yeah, I should have a buzzer, an alert, because basically, what's happened there is you've just gone to the world golf rankings, have seen someone called Brian Young, have and have decided to make up a star. See, you've cried Wolf too many times. You've cried Matthew Wolf too many times. And people are getting you for your lies now. Have you got any more Brian's? Mm, well, other than Brian Lewis, who's the dad of Tom Lewis. Brian did play on tour actually, um, mm. and then I think got a bit fed up and just thought, yeah, sod this. But uh, yeah, um, other okay. than that, no, really. So you, you crack on. I think you've won this week. But you say uh, Brian Barnes. You must, you must know Brian oh, Barnes, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Brian, he beat Nicholas twice in a famous. I mean, he was a great player, Brian Barnes. He never quite—I don't know—he really quite fulfilled his potential on the worldwide stage because he was—he was so good. But he was a bit of a maverick as well. Beat Jack Nicholas twice on the same day in Ryder Cup singles, 1975, Laurel Valley in Pennsylvania. He sadly died last year, Brian. Um, but he was a—he was a brilliant player and and, a, and you know a character, as they say. Brian Davis, um, won twice in the European Tour. Um, and Famously, then it, well, it was Harbour Town, wasn't it? On the yeah. uh, on the eighteenth, was it in the playoff or the eighteenth hole? I can't remember, but it was oh, the, the it was the playoff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, very honest, but very honest. I'm right. Okay, so here's. I don't want to put you on the spot there, but he was in the on the beach to the left of the green. He just pulled his second shot, and it's it is deemed to be a, a you know effectively a bunker, and so you're not allowed to touch anything. It's a hazard. You're not allowed to touch anything. Sorry, within it's not deemed to be a bunker. You're not allowed to touch anything as you take the club back or dislodge anything. And he grazes this reed. I mean, he just grazed it fractionally and immediately called over Slugger White, the referee, and said, uh, "You know, I touched that there," and was given a two-shot penalty. And Jim Furyk won. So, 
there we are, Brian Davis. Yeah, well, you know, I think Slugger White described him as a as a gentleman as well, which uh, clearly that term has been relegated over the years. Well, yes, contrasts, and uh, there we are. Uh, what a, uh, Brian Brian McElhenney. Brian McElhenney won the amateur. We were covering it for the BBC back in the back in the day, uh, two thousand five. He won the um, Irish player Brian McElhenney beat John Gallagher in the final. John went on to win the Scottish amateur in two thousand seven. He plays golf cack-handed, left below right. Well, if you're a right-handed player. So Gallagher had beaten Lloyd Saltman in the semi-final, who was this uber-talented 19-year-old. Ollie Fisher lost in the other semi-final to Brian McElhinney. I think he was 17 at the time. And Ollie Fisher had this swing and everyone was going, wow, this guy is good. And he is good. He was good. And um, that was it. I remember how confident Ollie Fisher was, immediately, even as a 17-year-old. He was sort of bounding up to Ken Brown going, oh, right, Ken, how are you? <laughs> where he's from <laughs> he's from Essex yeah that's probably a pretty good accent actually oh, but uh, I remember Ollie because that would have been the year that I would have played some Faldo series stuff and I actually would have gone to Hong Kong that year with Ollie and uh, yeah Ollie was I mean at the time better than Rory and um, yeah but uh, he still is very good but you know, obviously Rory took off after that yeah uh, and players who win the amateur, it's interesting watching who goes on to major successful careers and who doesn't. Brian McElhinney, I mean, he was a great Lynx player, couldn't quite convert it to sort of regular tour play. I, I found 2018, he was playing on the Euro Pro Tour. The Motocaddy Masters at Frilford Heath. Are you aware of the Motocaddy Masters at Frilford Heath? Very much so. Um, have you gone down as a spectator? The big guy on campus just... Offering a bit of support to the the minor tours now. No, I actually haven't. I uh, I try to avoid it when uh, when I can. But uh, you know, yeah, I don't know what else to add there really. No, fair enough. Well, let's stop there then. Brian Evans, my last one. Father of Max and Tom Evans, former Scottish rugby players. He's a pro yeah. out in Portugal. Cousin of Chris Evans. I then uh, I've spent about two days on the origin of the name Brian and and famous Brian's in history as well. Again, I I. I I don't know why I got lost in this, but I couldn't think of because Brian's a name which has had its had a, a, a fairly recent flowering in the grand scheme of human history. Um, because I couldn't think of any famous Brian's like before the Second World War. It's not a it's not a historical name, Brian. I think in Ireland it might be because it's Celtic in origin. Brian, it's the Celtic for high or noble. You get Brian O'Driscolls and Brian and o- O'Brien as well, with an E in Ireland. Why am I talking about Brian's at length? But do you want some famous Brian's? Definitely. Brian Blessed, he's the oldest famous Brian I could think of. Famously um, shit himself, didn't he, up a mountain? What, do you mean metaphorically or no, no, actually? No, no, literally. Yeah, um, yeah, so he tried to climb Everest a couple of times, Brian Blessed. He's obsessed with the Himalayas and um, and Everest in particular and Mallory and Irvin who, who got there or didn't quite get there, perhaps, who knows, in 1924. So he tried to do it again. He tried to climb it. Uh, once in his 60s, in the famous disaster of 1996, I think, in Everest, um, and, and didn't didn't make it up. Uh, Brian, I love Brian Blessed, though. Um, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, Brian May, Brian Eno, Brian Jones, lots of um, Brian's in popular music. Brian Epstein. Actually, yeah, I actually played a program with the actor who played Brian May in the film uh, Bohemian Rhapsody last year. Oh, tremendous! In, uh, in Switzerland, yeah, he was a lovely man, English guy. Um, but actually, they hadn't watched the film at the time, which was a great shame, because mm. I'd have talked to him all the way around, and as it happened, I barely spoke to him. But uh, That's becoming yeah. a theme. You barely spoke yeah. to him, then went back to your hotel in Cronsur-Sierra, slagged it off, and left. Yeah. Well, it was funny, because I met um, another uh, of my playing partners, was Alistair was his name, uh, Alistair Petrie, I want to say, and, and I met him on the first tee, and I thought, God, I know that guy's face, but I didn't know where, so I figured maybe he just plays a lot of pro-ams. 
So we're walking down the first hole. I said, hi, Alistair, what do you do? And he said, well, I'm an actor. And I said, right, I know who you are. And he's the headmaster in um, the TV show on Netflix called uh, Sex Education, which is a brilliant show, actually. Mm. And uh, yeah, I had quite a famous, I had quite a great football that day, actually. And the other lad was, was in Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park. So, um, right. Do you think okay. you, uh, it wasn't Richard Attenborough, was it? No, uh, you, <laughs> no, he has departed. So do you, um, do you think you're intimidating to amateurs or, or do you think if they come and talk to you, you'll give a bit back and, and are you waiting for them to make the first move? Um, I don't really know. I would hope I'm not intimidating. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm hardly built. I'm not very intellectual. I, I am dashingly handsome, but, mm. uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't know really, Andrew. I would, I would hope not. Yeah. Okay. From sport, Brian Lara, Brian Clough, Brian Moore. Uh, you got Brian Cox, Brian the Snail from the Magic Roundabout, uh, and Marilyn Manson's real name is Brian. Brian Warner. So there well, we are. What about Brianna of Tarth? She's very. She's she's brilliant. Well, and that is the Celtic uh, female equivalent, Brianne. Um, so there we are. Good, good chat on Brian. We've drifted off golf topic, Brian's, and on to just any old Brian's. So there we are. There aren't many golfers called Alan, and there are a few called called Brian. So there we are. That's our trip down golfy nonsense lane this week. Um, we've got quite a few more countries listening to us. I know I, I say this every week, and it's not humble brag. I'm just very pleased that lots of people in lots of countries are listening to this gibberish. So 107 countries now we're up to. Some newcomers, Botswana, Bangladesh, Guatemala, Somalia, the Maldives, Vietnam, which is becoming a big golfing destination, although not at the moment, Natch. Um, so what can you tell us about any of those countries, Eddie? Um, well, I learned last year, which was all, which was fascinating to me, because I, like, I was having two Indian takeaways a week. And I went in and spoke to the people and I said, well, where are you from? And they were like, well, actually from Bangladesh. And I said, like, oh, right, so this isn't actually Indian then? He said, no. And I said, oh, well, is that true of everywhere around here? And he said, yeah. Hmm. And that really blew me away um, because I've obviously only ever known it as an Indian takeaway and really it's a Bangladeshi takeaway. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's hardly anything new, I suppose, but it was something that I learned about immigration, right. I suppose. So that, so I asked you to do a little bit of research on a country and perhaps tell us a bit about that country, about the golf in that country, about the history, the social political situation in that country. And you've basically said Bangladesh, a lot of the Indian restaurants in the UK are actually owned by Bangladeshis. Thanks for that. Right, okay, Guatemala, I'll tell you. Central America on the southern border of Mexico also borders Honduras and El Salvador. Turbulent history of Guatemala in the 19th and 20th centuries. I mean, really, really um, in turmoil for most of it. But before uh, the Spanish conquistadors and all that jazz, as they call it, you go back in history, Mayan antiquities, there's lots of Mayan ruins are there. So um, seven golf courses in Guatemala. Now, here's an interesting thing. One called La Reunion, where uh, they've got a Pete Dye course there, Fuego Maya, which I presume means... Maya, Maya fire, Maya fire. Um, so that was constructed right beside a volcano, the Volcán de Fuego, a, a volcano which, no, I didn't stop your chuckling now because this is quite a serious story. So a volcano which erupted two years ago uh, and lots of people killed in Guatemala. Uh, I found the leading Guatemalan golfer, Jose Toledo, who is 1,252nd in the world, but he helped, he helped raise half a million dollars in relief funds there was also some from the PGA Tour. But that golf course now, I was looking it up, it's totally 
destroyed. But uh, Jose Toledo was on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's now in the South American Tour, and he is the leading Guatemalan golf golfer. And also, a lot of the Mexican restaurants in the UK are not actually owned by Mexicans. They're owned by Guatemalans. Did you know that, Eddie? Mm, I'm I'm calling a George Kitts here on that. Mm, you're absolutely right. So there we are. Uh, anything else, Tad? Or are we done? Are we done here? I think um, I think we could be done. We're done here. Oh, we might take a break from this for a while. But anyway, hope you've enjoyed listening, and we'll see you next week or not. Who knows? Bye bye. Bye now. Look at his strong jaw. He looks 10 years younger. What's your secret? Is it jazzercise? Yes, it is. Remember, there's exercise and there's jazzercise. Jazzercise.